0: Tonight we celebrate the arrival of of the light. And it came in the form of who Jesus is and how he came. But that light, of course, really began at the very beginning of creation. And so throughout this entire month here at Castle Oaks, we've been digging into what darkness means and the darkness that we have within us, the darkness that we see in the world around us. And you don't have to look very long, you have to look very far. Some of us just have to look in the mirror uh, because we're aware of the darkness that we have within us and Even tonight as the sun sets and the rain falls and we're praying for a white Christmas, maybe, I haven't heard yet, whether it's turned into snow or not, um, we're aware of the darkness. Tonight, though, tomorrow, represents the celebration of light. So the gons, so uh, thoughtfully help us light these Advent candles that have been lit throughout this month and the Christ candle is lit tonight. And so we need this reminder during this season because it's a dark time and that's not new. It's been this way for a long time and will be this side of heaven will struggle with this. But my hope is that through this Christmas season, you will renew your understanding of the light and what it means to walk with the light, that you will allow the light that God has placed in you to be fanned into flame, even as you build relationships that are based on truth and humility. And that God will bring about renewal in new and powerful ways. I hope you're ready for Christmas. Are you ready? Are you all ready? Everything wrapped? Everything defrosted? Because we're going to be hungry. So I hope you eat too much. I hope you have a bit of decadence when it comes to the things that you open and that you get to enjoy. And I hope that you're around people that know you well and that love you deeply. And that that represents who Jesus is to you in this Christmas season. Uh, we're about ready. Our, our boys, Donna and I, we have two boys. Uh, Austin Carter, they'll be around. Uh, we have a new daughter-in-law this year. This will be our first Christmas with her, and so we're excited to spend some time with her, and uh, I, I'm going to need your help a little bit because, I, you know, if I did anything well as a dad, I made the boys laugh, and uh, that I was the comic relief, you know, you can't have two fun parents, right? That's just a circus, so um, I... I you know, played the role of the court jester. And so I, I think they come to town and they expect it from me. So I've been kind of working on a few things to, you know, get a chuckle or two at dinner, but I, you know, they're not here right now. So I'll need your help for that. If you don't mind. Um, I, I even wrote down a, a few things to, that I've been working on kind of rehearsing and practicing and we have kids in the room, right? We have some kids. Do you have any kids in the room? Yeah, yeah, a few kids. You're waving at me. You're being so good and quiet. That's so thoughtful. Um, and we have some teenagers too. So I, I don't know. Let me just try a couple of these out. We'll see how they do. And they might make it to the Vaughn dinner, okay, if, if they do well here. So it, this one, my older son, Austin, has been playing some chess lately and, and getting better at it. So I, I think he might like this one. Um, so, I, you know, we'll sit down. We'll have a little dessert. They'll be primed because they're waiting for Dad to kind of do his thing, right? <laughs> Um, and I'll say to Austin in front of everybody else, wh- what do you call a bunch of chess players who are bragging about their games out in a hotel lobby? And Austin will probably say, uh, what do you think he'll say, Josh? What, dad? Yeah, he'll probably say that, what dad? That's good. Although Austin's voice is actually deeper than Josh's normal voice. <laughs> He, they can match each other beard for beard. So, I, I, and in case, you know, Carter didn't hear it, I'll, I'll say it to him again. I'll say, Carter, what do you think? What do you call a bunch of chess players who are bragging about their games out in the middle of a hotel lobby and, and they'll be waiting, you know, they'll be just on the edge of their seats and I'll say, well, obviously, it's uh, chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. <laughs> what do you think? Is it, yeah, yeah. It's a little highbrow for some of you, I can tell. <laughs> You weren't sure what to do with that. You're still, it's like a way homer, right? You'll think of that one on the way home. And, and just in case, you know, uh, the audience at dinner, you know, it falls a little, you know, well, like it did with you, uh, then I, I've, I've got one in, in the hip pocket, you know, for, for that occasion. And so I'll say, what do, you, what do you call a snowman with a six pack? And they'll be just right here. Right right in my hand, ready to to hear it. And I'll say, well, obviously, it's an abdominal snowman. (laughs) Okay, well, I can tell by your reactions. I'm back to the drawing board. By the time I was in fifth grade, I was bringing a joke book to the dinner table. And I think at one point, I had remembered a joke from school or the playground or something and used it at dinner, and it killed very different than what happened tonight (laughs) and mom and dad laughed or caught one of my brothers by surprise but I do remember this sense that that I had something to do with this laughter that came spilling out of their mouth and this joy that erupted um, at least for a moment and so I started bringing to the table a joke book And I wasn't allowed to use it early in dinner. That would have been inappropriate. Mom and dad were trying to teach three boys how to behave during dinner time, which was no small feat. And so we had some rules and manners and, you know, passing things and all those sorts of stuff. We had some words that were outlawed during dinner that we could say at other times, but not during dinner. And and, uh, they weren't the ones you're thinking of, you know, but they were milder ones. You know, we're boys, so every bodily function made us giggle and laugh, and so... But eventually, when dinner calmed down, I would whip this joke book out, and I think my brothers didn 't like it because the attention was on me at the moment. but my hope would be that that would reoccur, that I would tell a story or a one liner or a knock knock or something, and laughter would erupt. I think, as an adult, I think back on that time as a little boy, and i I know that I at least had a sense that we were like any other family we had the same issues that your family has, and, and laughter and joy, well, you just can't have too much of it, and sometimes we had way too little of it. And if I could bring some joy, then that would at least for a little while help us to experience each other in the middle of joy and gladness. You know, I can't even begin to imagine what it was like for the angels, and Gabriel in particular, kind of did a lion's share of the work during the Christmas story, to be prepared and ready to bring this news. How will we word it? What will we say? When the story unfolds in Luke, it says this: this is what the angel says to the shepherds: I bring you what? Good news that will bring you great joy. To all the people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem, the, the city of David. This, this moment of joy is coming upon the earth. We, we've been talking about darkness all month and, and up until Tuesday, our nights were getting longer and our days were getting shorter. And now since Tuesday, just by minutes each day, the days are getting longer and the nights are getting shorter. And we experience the arrival of the light we can't even begin to comprehend what this would mean spiritually, what this would mean cosmically, theologically, even in our understanding of what our life's purpose is. But the angels know. They understand the entire picture. They know the whole story, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And they say to these shepherds, we bring you good news. And it's going to give you great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm so sick of bad news I can't hardly stand it. Every time, yes, I can get an amen, right? I heard that. I heard that, yes. Every time I open up the news app or turn on the TV, I feel like there is a competition that exists in culture that is trying to figure out who can scare us the most or make us the most fearful. And I'm I'm anxious for and desperate for good news and great joy. Last Christmas season... We weren't even sure we were gonna have Christmas Eve services in person and it really wasn't until the week before Christmas that we decided to do it. And if you had told me 12 months ago that we would be watching another surge and questions and uncertainty about another season of the pandemic happening, I would have thought you were crazy. And yet now we're unsure, we have questions and this moment in time on the calendars across the world, is dedicated to the arrival of light and good news and great joy. There has never been a time when Christmas has been more needed than right now. But we're ahead of ourselves. Let's back up just a bit. While they were there, the days Mary and Joseph, and the there is Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. Most translations say it a little bit differently. The time came is a bit understated. In fact, the King James says it this way, and the days were fulfilled. It's a great way to picture it. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul would describe this moment in time, and he would say that it was the fullness of time, which direct translation is this, time was, time itself, time was pregnant and ready to give birth. Now, most moms I know were pregnant for, oh, somewhere between eight and nine months. Time itself has been pregnant for thousands of years. Can you imagine? How ready time was to deliver good news and great joy. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available. For them. This fullness of time we celebrate today, and we acknowledge it, and we recognize that there was a time when this wasn't the case, and now it is true, and it is as true today as it was the night that Jesus was born. And that night, Luke tells us, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, probably by this time, the wise men had seen the star and they'd begun their journey. But apart from the families of Mary and Joseph and whoever else knew that she was pregnant or had some understanding of their family situation, nobody else knew what was happening. This was something that Mary held deep and close to her. And so what begins to occur that night in the fields nearby is absolutely unbelievable that God would take a, a lowly shepherd who's probably homeless, poor, probably did this because they didn't have a family, outcasts. If there were a class system among the Jewish inhabitants of Judea, the shepherds would be at the very bottom. And God says to the angels, guess who we're going to tell first? This year or in time past, any time. If you have felt unseen, this ought to be very meaningful to you. If you have felt like you're not paid attention to, if you have felt less than, if you have felt like you don't measure up, if you have felt like there are many people that are way ahead of you in every way, whether it's finances or your, your hopes for a career, your hopes for purpose, anything, this truth that God came to the shepherds first Oda lets you know that God sees you. He knows you, and He loves you. And these shepherds got to experience it first, probably sleeping. It's nighttime. The sheep are bedded down, and they probably are too. And in the middle of that dark night, the hills of Judea, this is what happens. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and uh, say it with me, what word? Radiance of the what? Surrounded them This was the light that lit up the hillside around them Now, if you read too fast or maybe you have in mind a movie you saw or some other visual interpretation of this verse, you might imagine that there was a star or something like that. But that's not what the Scriptures say. There is a light for sure, and it lights up the hillside, guaranteed. They can see all their sheep and each other. And there is a host of angels, and there's one there that's going to share a message. But the only light comes from what? The Lord's glory. We said a week or so ago that... In the very beginning of Genesis, when creation is described, God said this one simple, in the darkness and void, one simple statement, he said, and you know it, even if you haven't been around church much, let there be... But that was long before the sun was made, long before the stars were made. It was simply God's presence that gave the light. And that's what happened on this hillside. God's presence provided the light Look, when we celebrate the light coming, it's not like the light that we know of. The physical light, the, the night light that you have in your hallway, the lights that you have on your tree, these are all symbols, of course, of the light that has come. But the light that is described in Genesis and John, almost every book of Scripture, and especially on this hillside with the shepherds, it is simply God's light, and it illuminates everything. Let there be light. And it's not just this light that is present in the Christmas story. This is the first and largest and most all-encompassing, but it's not just this light. In fact, in the previous chapter, the father of John the Baptist who came before Jesus, cousin of Jesus, actually, his name was Zechariah. Maybe you remember the story. The angel came to him first and said, hey, you're going to have a baby, and he you know, doubted and all kinds of things happened, but he was unable to speak until... John the Baptist was born. When he could speak after John's birth, he sang a song, it's the first thing he did. And these were some of the lyrics he sang. It's a beautiful verse out of Luke chapter one. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which, what? The rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. Jesus is the rising sun. And when we see the sun, It is because of him that we experience the warmth when you step outside and it hits you in the face and you stop for a minute and shut your eyes and soak it in. This is who Jesus is. and In this passage, he's compared to and even named the rising sun. But it's not just the sun, and you know this already. The magi had seen the star. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose And have come to worship him, they say. They've made this long journey. Light in all of his forms, this candle, the sun, God's radiance and his pure glory. Light in every one of its forms comes together to announce the arrival of Jesus to say, the light has come. You and I, we are no longer in darkness. And this is still true. No matter how dark it seems no matter how dismal it seems. I think one of the greatest elements of faith today, right now in our culture, is to believe that God is still at work even though we see what's happening. Even though you read the headlines, even though you watch, it feels like that the culture is about to come apart at the seams and that anger is the most prized virtue. But darkness will not consume the light. In fact, John says it this way. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's say that all together. You ready? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and it never will. It never will. My darkness or your darkness? And my guess is, is you're well aware of your own darkness. The feelings that you have at times towards someone who's interrupting or causing an issue with your agenda which you'd like to get done. Maybe your darkness is evident in selfishness. Maybe it's evident in any of the things that kind of creep in, sadness, fear, anxiety, depression. Darkness and light always in battle, but light will always win. In fact, probably the greatest scandal of Christmas is that there is no naughty list. The darkness will not overcome it. These shepherds, they were terrified, but the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all of the people. This is the good news, and it is good joy that the light has come and by his light, if you will open your heart to it, you will find the purpose for your life. By his light, we learn something about his nature that he desires to walk with us every day and guide us and lead us and allow us to experience his mercy and grace. By his light, we find out that we are both loved and known everyone in the room and those listening online, we all have this sense that, well, most people love us because they don't really know us that well. If they knew us, they surely wouldn't love us. Even those who know us well, there's something about us maybe buried deep within that if it came to light, we are absolutely certain we would be rejected or cast aside. It's the existential fear that we all have. But the light that comes... God's glory, the light of the sun, the stars, light in all of its forms teaches us this deep truth that God knows us. Oh, that thing that you think of, he already knows it. The thing you think you've kept hidden from everyone else, God is fully aware. And he loves you immensely and deeply. And so by his light, we walk on that path and we experience well, we experience good news and great joy. Why? Well, the angel says, the savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is what Christmas is about. It's what the light is a reminder of. And so we celebrate the birth of Jesus this Christmas season. The arrival of light. We are no longer in darkness and we experience his love and his mercy. And so these candles that we've been lighting all month will now, in just a moment, help us all light the candles that you hold. So I'm going to invite those that are going to help us light candles to come right up front. And for you, if you would, take your candle. Hold it in your hand and go ahead and stand up where you are. So, candle lighters, I will ask you, just in just a moment, we'll read a hymn together. And I take this light from this table and light your candles and then move down the aisles and we'll see the room filled with light. There is an ancient Christian hymn, it was probably... It probably is the oldest hymn that's not in scripture that is used in Christian celebrations today. It was probably written in the third century by a man who was about to be martyred and he uttered most of these words while he was being dragged off to his martyrdom and his friends and fellow family members copied these words down. You can find it today in the Book of Common Prayer and as we recite this, you guys can come on forward and and light your candles we're going to say these words together honoring the tradition of hundreds of years the hymn is called "O gracious light so let's say it together you'll see three different stanzas "O gracious light pure brightness of the ever-living father in heaven O jesus christ holy and blessed And so, Lord, we come to you right now in prayer asking that in this moment we would recognize that you are the one true light, that all light that we need, all light that we desire, all the light that we are missing, even in our own darkness, comes from you and you alone. And so on that night, that silent night, the arrival of light, the name of Jesus, Came in the form of a baby grow into a man that would learn the ways of being human and subject himself to death on a cross so Lord we celebrate this truth this Christmas we recognize that darkness can creep in but it will never overcome the light and that light lives within us So now as we sing, we seek you in new and deep ways.